Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about England versus Italy. How far have England actually progressed since this Euro's final fixture two years ago? What next for Manchester United? Will Sir Jim Ratcliffe get his 25% of the club and take charge of the football operations? And will this appease the United fans who want the Glazers out? And Don Davis, founder of the Professional Fighters League, joined us in studio as they continue to grow and attempt to challenge the UFC for domination in the world of mixed martial arts. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. England host Italy tonight is live in talk sport and a draw is enough to see them on their way to next summer's Euros. Simon, it doesn't seem like it, but I mean, a couple of years since England took to the field in the final of the Euros at Wembley and we know what happened that night um, it, Italy won it on penalties and it was uh, a fair amount of angst for England on the night how far have England actually progressed do you think since that self-same match since that game two years ago how far have they come we've been at Qatar since haven't we honestly um, I think they've stabilised I don't think that they've progressed hugely in terms of we still find ourselves in a situation when we come up against opposition that on paper we may have difficulties to beat and yet when the game unfolds in front of us it's there for us to win like the French game in Qatar and we don't. Um, I don't know if Southgate's relationship has gotten any better with certain segments of the public. I don't know whether we're going to go to the... I think we should... I think. Prima facie, there's a distinct possibility we have arguably, if not the best team in Europe, close to it with the potential talent we've got available to us yeah. to go into this tournament and win. I think the component part will be decisions that Southgate makes at key times. That that moment in time when a Mancini, albeit I think he's a bit of a treacherous hound right now, leaving Italy in the lurch and going to Saudi Arabia because it suits him. Mm. But the point is, is that at that moment in that European Championship final, albeit it went to penalties, but Italy change the direction in reaction to what England were doing and we don't we haven't seemed to have had that now Southgate for me um, has 
in certain situations, boxed himself into certain corners and now finds himself defending himself against arguments he wanted to run previously that players can have their view and now he doesn't think they should be had, having their view because they shouldn't be judged as politicians. But as a team... I think there's, 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 we're more resolute, there's more, there's more formidability about us, and I think there's a greater fear towards England, but I still think the same challenges exist, which are... Key moments. Key moments. Now, if he hasn't learned this lesson fourth time round, then, then for the love of God, I don't know where we're going to be. But I, I, I think, I'm going to argue against my own point, I think there's something more resilient about us, <laughs> there's something more classy about us as an, as an opportunity, yeah. there's, there's more expectation, but that expectation will build... And the media's attitude will slightly change. So, so they I, have progressed. I think there's a progression in certain They're more respects. resilient. But I, the, quest, the $64 million question is, have we progressed to a point? I don't care about qualification. I don't care about the background noise. That's priced into my thinking. It's a great that, feeling that qualification into that. I know, and it's something that you, it's a great that, you, that, you, that, you, that you guys have gotten now, and you yeah. should stay and continue to get, because you've clearly got a good enough operation to be able to get past teams that are 126th in the world. Cheers. who play teams like Malawi yeah, yeah. as their stable diet. See you there. Um, but the point is, is that England now are at a point where we should be in a situation where it's really, really, really... Most countries, with the exception of Belgium, they start by doing very well in tournaments and they build up. So we build up from being semi-finals of the World Cup to the finalists of the European Championships to a reasonably commendable performance. And we were there, Jim. The back, what happens is people rewrite history. They rewrite how things happened and they talk about circumstances. We were at that World Cup and England were poor against USA. Oh, you were doing your nut that night. Because they were poor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we beat sides that we could beat and yet again we fall at the, at the hurdle against a side that we shouldn't beat on paper but mm. in the game could have done. And if that has changed, then, then we have progressed. Right, and tonight actually shows us if indeed you are going down that well, road maybe. that gives you some... So as Italy we head aren't to a great side, are they? I mean, we've beaten Italy once already. Italy gives you problems. They give anybody problems because people play them in their mind's eye. Like people say, oh, we've got to beat the Germans. When you play, you the Germans, Germans, are Germans are crap. And that's why we beat them right. in recent tournaments. But Italy are not that. Well, Italy aren't much better. They weren't. I mean, they huffed and puffed against they're Malta. Not, I agree. I not, watched the game with a couple of Italian friends, taking great delight in the fact they weren't making headway with the, with the Maltese, and eventually got into their stride. Yeah. and away they went. They're not the Italian side of two years ago. I'll give you that. No, they're not. But having said that, I think they've got enough tonight to cause you problems. Of having, course. Having said all that, as we head to ten thirty, let me pin you down then on Southgate's England. Where are you at with them? Do you have a feeling, an overriding feeling of optimism, pessimism, or apathy? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards the optimistic stage Ooh. because I look at no, because I look at the players. I look at what we've got on this pitch. I think in Carl Walker, we've got the best right back in the world. I think in Bellingham, we've got the potential of having an absolute world beater. Up top, we've got Harry Kane, who's a player that can score goals. It's interesting the other day, someone did an evaluation of the goals that he scored. And 34 of the goals that he scored have been against real B-rate opposition. But that's a different discussion. Mm. And then you look at players like Saka, and you look at players like Grealish. We have an embarrassment of riches on this pitch. And we've talked about golden generations before. But ironically, in an age where there's actually more inflated egos and more self-importance, this group of players have a bit more balance than the Beckham generation, where they were too busy, all the wag culture, all that sort of stuff that was the sideshows. doesn't feel like it's here with this group. Yes. Yeah. So I've got more optimism. I see where you're going with it. I still it. have reservations about Southgate, and it's not because I don't like him or because I have an agenda against him. It's because I think he's had three cracks of the whip. I see the same uh, mistakes. I think he's a, a, a ridiculous caricature of himself now in the media when he's trying to argue back against points that he's made previously and gone out on a limb for. 
But notwithstanding that, I think we're in decent nick. And so we should be. Okay. And so we should be. Um, Danny, who's listening this morning, goes with you to a large extent. Jim, it's simple. We have a golden generation of players, but they're wasted under Southgate. He's not having Gareth. You're still having Gareth, but Gareth has a lot to prove, you would say. I think Gareth When it comes to big decisions. I think Gareth Southgate has done a lot of things right. Do I, I, think, I think he's vanilla? Yeah, I do a little bit. Do I, do, I, do I think sometimes he's the bland leading the bland? Yeah, I do. But do I think this team has the talent if he has the capacity and the bravery to let it go and go after sides and really put sides that on paper we think are a, je- a challenge to yeah. us? Yeah. Make them worry about us. I think if England win tonight and don't concede, then oh, I think they're very tonight. much going in the I right think, direction. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It's Jim White and Simon Jordan. The Manchester United uh, situation off the field of play, never far from uh, headline news. Uh, the back of the Times this morning by our colleagues here in the news building, Matt Lawton and Matt Dickinson. So Jim Ratcliffe and his colleagues at Ineos hope to be in control of Manchester United's football operations in time for the January transfer window. How is that? Well, the United board is set to ratify Ratcliffe's purchase of a 25% stake in the club spells it about it comes out at about 1.3 billion pounds and that would be done at a meeting on Thursday Simon so many United fans will be here there and everywhere with this story because it's gone from an all out takeover to uh, two parties fighting for the control of Manchester United the Qatari bid the Sir Jim Ratcliffe bid mm-hmm. to Sir Jim being left on his own and a minority stake albeit of 25% that's where we've got to will a minority investor who takes charge of the footballing side in Sir Jim Ratcliffe be enough Simon to stop the Glazer Out protests? I'm trying to work out where this narrative is being developed that somehow along the line that um, Jim Ratcliffe is going to take over the core business which is the football side of the operation and, and why that is seen to be something as a blueprint for anything. I'm not debating that Jim Radcliffe is a is a brilliant businessman you know you can look at the, the, the ownership of Nice and the Swiss Club Luzon I mean I, I don't think those are blueprints to tell you that he has the zeitgeist on how to run professional sports clubs yeah but if it keeps the Glazers out of football decisions the United fans will well, give it a thumbs up but that's assuming that the Glazers are involved in football decisions that's assuming that the 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 devolving of authority again I make this argument that the Glazers will be in a situation where they give budgets to those that run the departments. So, for example, my view is, we said this before, before the the summer, everyone said, oh, if they don't do the takeover before the summer, Manchester United won't spend any money. I said, well, of course they will, because they were going concerned. They'll Mm. spend £150, £200 million, because that's what Manchester United do. Oh, no, they won't, because it won't make sense for the Glazers to do such a thing. And, of course, they went off and spent £150, £200 million. And I believe what happens is that the Glazers... Don't sit there going, I'll have this player, but not that player. <laughs> I think what they do is they allocate a budget and no more, and whether that budget is big enough or whether the people they allocate it to are capable enough, that's a different conversation. So but what does I- it look like if Ratcliffe and his colleagues do indeed get control of United's football operations? What does that look like but to you? I, I haven't the faintest idea because I don't understand why it is that they will be getting control of something unless they're going to replace it with their own people. If we're going to get rid of Richard Arnold, if we're going to get rid of John Murtagh, 
and we're going to bring in other people that are going to provide the intellectual capital to be able to develop a better look and feel about every aspect of Manchester United's football operation, whether that's the, the development of their youth development policies, whether that's their, their scouting network, whether it's the recruitment criteria, whether it's a data-driven model, whether it's the budgets that they're going to spend, whether it's the personnel that are going to be responsible, they're going to introduce a far more accountable mentality in yeah, there, yeah. and people are going to be better at their jobs. Fantastic. But who tells you, with respect, that in the world of football and sport, that Jim, Redcl- Jim Radcliffe has that understanding from the get-go. You see, I think that's a great point you make. He'll get it because he's, he's a very smart man yeah. in the same way that money always gets you there in the end. But Simon, it's worth asking if, if um, Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos's record in sport is any better than the Glazers. The Glazers can claim two Super Bowls, five league titles and a Champions League What's Ratcliffe ever won in sport well, with multiple investment well, and interest? Okay, but the, the investment and the teams that he's invested in have been peripheral sides. I mean, we're hardly talking about Nice and Lausanne as as significant sides that we would look at in the football terms. There's other sports that he's involved in, I know, but in football terms, we haven't seen anything there, and perhaps there's not a reason to see it there, because he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't turned them into superpowers by endless financing, has he? So again, we go to the idea what what we've got in the, in the mind of I believe certain segments of the media, and certain segments of the managed fan base. Anybody but the Glazers. Yeah, but, but rather than look at but, what we're looking at, we're anybody but the Glazers. A B G. Anybody but the Glazers. So he comes in. He's going to spend one point three billion pounds, of which none of that money is going to go into the pockets of Manchester United. It's going to go into the Glazer, whichever proportion of their shares or whichever family members have decided to dispose of their shares. So then we're going to look at what's going to happen next. And these wonderful uh, prophecies of new stadiums and training grounds and all the bits and bobs that people like Gary Neville are right to point out. If you want to be, if you want to compete with the best, you've got to have the best. All of those are going to come from where? Mm. Because I don't, I don't I, has has Jim Radcliffe signed up to be a shareholder and the financier of Manchester United? Because why in Christ's name would he do that? Yeah. Because he's not the majority shareholder. So the status quo is going to maintain, except the Glazers have got wealthier. And 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 why would Gla- why would Radcliffe as a twenty five percent shareholder come? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pile piles of my own money into this football club for your benefits. So Doesn't I don't, make sense. I, is, is it a positive, though, for English football that the world's most iconic football brand, as you tell us, Manchester United, is not going to be falling into state-owned hands, the Qataris' hands? Well... Is that a positive? But they would argue... You would have to think, yes, surely. They, but again, don't you remember that Newcastle wasn't bought by a state-owned entity, was it? It was bought by this ridiculous idea that the, that the PIF fund isn't that. And haven't we seen a changing of the regulations in the Premier League anyway that state-owned entities can't buy them and the argument was being put forward that this wasn't a state-owned transaction this was an individual that had the ability through his father's great wealth to buy this football club so am, I, will, am I pleased that it hasn't fallen into the hands yeah. of the Middle East another Middle Eastern consortium I suppose in part I am yeah um, but but from the point of view of looking at, I, I don't want that to appear like a xenophobic stadium a, a statement because it isn't I do worry about the influence of certain parts of the world that are not buying football clubs because they love sport they're buying football clubs because it provides soft and significant influence and significant opportunity and I don't care who feels that's an outrageous statement or not I look at the Manchester United and I say to myself how does this football club regain its poise and it isn't just about having a new broom the problem is is the game's changed Manchester City are away 
and other clubs are so far ahead of Man United. If people think this is going to turn on a dime, that all of a sudden Man United, that Ten Hag's going to have a more effective management team above him, which means the team on the pitch are going to be much better. That team on that pitch that's currently performing under Ten Hag's management should be doing much better than it's doing already as a matter of course. And what's happening in a boardroom, what's happening with the Glazers, is just a backstory that gives other people an excuse not to do their jobs very well. And, the, and maybe... There is a case. Of course there must be. If people aren't recruiting properly, if people aren't making decisions that are giving people the best-in-class tools, yeah. then you have to look at those and you have to then point that up to the Glazers or to Richard Arnold, I would say, I would say, mm. and say, why are you allowing this not to be an operation that works as effectively as if seemingly it works at Manchester City? You see, there's talk that he might bring in Sir Dave Brailsford into the United Equation. Yeah. And, and that he would get involved. But the same day Brailsford, it could be said, uh, led Sky to, to bail out of cycling. Um, Richard Keyes has tweeted saying, this is the same uh, Sir Dave Brailsford who gave us the Richard Freeman saga, Jiffy yeah, Baggate, Bradley, Wagon, Bradley, Bradley Wiggins', Wiggins yeah. downfall, etc. But the fact remains, Simon, it's no mean feat, really, when you look at what the Glazers have done. Day, same day. Winning two Super Bowls with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. Has Ratcliffe ever achieved anything as big as that in sport? When you look at what Ratcliffe has done, and if we're looking at a football operation, yeah. Sir Jim Ratcliffe at United, Lausanne were relegated under him. Nice have done next to nothing. Well, that, that's I think ninth, fifth, fifth. But that's my point. And has he poured in an inordinate amount of money? into those businesses to, to to propel them to different heights, to transform them. Because, you know, we can close our eyes and then we can remember Manchester City winning a playoff final in League One, mm. thanks to Paul Dickoff, who was useless for me, Paul, um, when I <laughs> You've signed You've never forgotten that. Um, but, but you... But, yeah. and, but with, with, and they've been transformed by, initially, the Thai, prime, the Thai individual that was booted out because of the things that he did. Then Mansour has transformed it. But Jim hasn't transformed... Nice on the song because he hasn't chosen to. Right. He hasn't chosen right, to put right, money. Right. So again, we go to the point. What is the. And it goes to the territory of anybody but the Glazers. Mm. I think that's quite a, a difficult. I think that's quite a poison chalice for Jim Radcliffe because he's going to put himself in the way of being expecting to be a force for good and force for change. This is not a philanthropic exercise. For sure. This is an exercise for Jim Radcliffe for commercial reasons. Well, the United board set to ratify Ratcliffe's purchase of 25% in United, 1.3 billion quid's worth at a meeting on Thursday. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. When we look at what is going on with MMA and UFC, Simon, there is plenty going on in that area. So let's check out what is going on. I'm delighted to say uh, the chairman, the founder, chairman and co-owner of Professional Fighters League, Don, has joined us here in studio. Don Davis has just strolled in and looks well at home. Don, you're most welcome. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me here, guys. My first ever... UK-based talk show. Very good. <laughs> and it's with you guys, of course. It is indeed. And we're thrilled to see you here. Now, tell me what is going on in the world of MMA and UFC. Am I right in thinking, to simplify this, you're, you're moving in. You're, the Professional Fighters League, you're taking on Dana White and UFC in a big way. What are you doing? Two things. One, look, MMA, big growth sport. There's 650 million fans. That's the third biggest fan base. Soccer one, basketball two, MMA three. Until the Professional Fighters League came along, you only had UFC, 40 events a year. Heck, there's 3,300 soccer matches. So you had plenty of soccer. There's 5,000 basketball games. You had plenty of basketball, but only 40 MMA events. And MMA is only a 25-year-old sport. So this thing is just getting started. There needed to be a second company. What Professional Fighters League does, very different. If you're a fan of the Premier League, what do you love? Win in advance, meritocracy. Yeah. Lose and yeah. go home. UFC, Dana White chooses who's ranked one, chooses who's ranked two. Jim, you're one. Simon, you're two, because Dana White says so, and I'm going to have you fight. That ain't sport. That might be a great entertainment, but the definition of sports meritocracy, Professional Fighters League is just like the Premier League or just like the NBA. We start each season with 12 fighters in each weight class, 72 fighters. You win, you advance to your next fight. You lose, we see you next season. You win four times, you hold up the belt, you're the champion, just like any other sport. Transparency and meritocracy. So we don't need to beat UFC. There'll be two big winners, at least globally. But why we're different? Season format, regular season, playoff, and championship. This November 24th in Washington, D.C., the finals. So everybody is advanced. They've won three times. This is their fourth and final fight. True meritocracy, true champions. Now, you are a man who always tells us meritocracy is the only way to go. So you must back this right from the yeah, offside. Of what I think is very interesting is the format creation. I think in any sport, if you create a format and you own that format and you start to monetize that format, you start to create some opportunities. And when I was reading up on this, I did find it interesting. I've looked at, obviously, I'm very interested in the boxing world and, and, and commercially indexed to it in certain ways. But I, and I have developed more of an appreciation of MMA. I didn't like it. I went to see it years ago. I didn't like the sport. I didn't like the audience in terms of not, no disrespect intended. It was very rough and ready for me. And whilst it's a contact sport and all contact sports have that element, it felt very early in its genesis and I've never taken that blinker off and then people like Michael Bispin came in here and started to give me a lecture and wag their finger at me and tell me what, what, yeah, a, what yeah. a Luddite I was in my thinking. He did. But I do think what you're doing here is very clever. I do think it's the way to go. It builds tribalism, it builds relationships, it builds a format. I think it's smart thinking. Well, of really course, smart you, thinking. you can do this, Don, because you have massive Saudi financial backing as well. And that helps you try and gain what you want to gain. 
look, even before that, we had the best United States investors, 10 sports team owners, owners of every major sport back to PFL. Because what they saw was global and growth. If you owned an NFL team, you owned an NBA team, mostly domestic revenue and mostly mature business. MMA, back to 25-year-old sport. We all took that business growth curve, right? High growth, maturity, decline. Soccer and baseball, over 100 years old. They ain't growing businesses. <laughs> MMA, 25 years old. Just entering its high growth period. I'm not sure that's right. I'm not, I'm, just I, as a global I, business. I'm not okay. sure you're right on the... You can make it about NFL, but you can't make it about soccer because this is a growth business that's going through the ceiling and doesn't even scratch the surface. If the, if the soccer world starts to bring this, start doing so broadcasting contracts, it will turn three and a half billion a year contracts into 35 billion a year it contracts. Could be if, if they, so on that one, you're not right. But in your, in your area, with be. the opportunity, you are... I think very smart. Could be. I think I don't like the fact you've had to go for Middle Eastern money, but I understand why you have. Well, here's the good news: global sport of MMA is only a billion five of revenue. Yep. The whole sport, soccer, thirty billion. So mm. at least they're far ahead of monetizing mm. that. So MMA, back to your point, the water's now warm. Think about four years ago, ESPN was the first one. The Disneyfication of MMA mm -hmm. really made the water warm. So advertisers are in. The audience is much different than it was when you started yeah, watching yeah, it. And the that. average age, 35, youngest fan base in all sport. So back to if you're looking as an investor, what would you want? Young, global, yeah. growing. Right. And that's the MMA audience. You've got a nice LTV on it, haven't you? So this yeah. is a professional fighters league. Um, you want to go head to head with, with Dana and, and, and UFC, but you want to wipe them out, do you? You want to be the number one. He must be aware that you're the new kid in the block then. Oh, they're well aware. The day we announced our investment from PIF, they lost $3 billion of market cap. $3 billion of market cap. That's more than our company's worth. I wish I was worth $3 billion today. But we don't need to take share from them. Back to it's a growing market. There'll be more than one. Look, my dad's 93 years old. As he said, every business is easy until it's yours. We're trying to build the professional <laughs> fighters league. There is room for more than one. Now, look. Five years ago, zero fans, zero fighters, zero viewers at the PFL. We said we're going to be number two. People laughed. They said, good luck with that. Against that gorilla? Well, we're number two. We're broadcasting 150 countries. And our fighter roster, Francis Naganu, what? Why did he leave UFC and go to us? Because he has control. Because he makes more money. So people never thought we would get to number two. Well, with the backing of the Saudis and with our fighter roster and with our better business strategy and format, our new goal is to become the co-leader. We're not here to take anybody out, but we are here to be the co-leader. And we think we can do that now. But you want to be the best. Don, every American wants to be the best. You want to be the best. And you want to get the better of Dana White, don't you? I want to be the co-leader in MMA. And we're going to do that. Now, people are saying, poopa, that's never going to happen. But five years ago, people said, <laughs> You're never, you're never going to get anywhere. Nobody's ever gotten anywhere in this MMA market. But the more you study MMA, there's two things abundantly clear. Supply and demand. <laughs> you're an ex-business guy. I'm, you know, I've done dozens of investments. I like when supply and demand is in my favor. What supply and demand do you need in sports? There's only three. Fans, athletes, and media. And broadcasters, yeah. Right, and media. And what do you have here? Let's start with fans. Need more product. Only been 40 fight events. Let's go to athletes. UFC has 500 athletes. Most of them are unhappy, but more than that, there's 2,000 athletes that aren't fighting at UFC. Think of it when Julius Irving was playing basketball, didn't have a place to play. The ABA came along because there's only eight NBA teams. 
lots of Julius Irvings out there. Right. And last of all, media. There's only one UFC package. Look at the NFL. There's 14 NFL packages in the, in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's only one broadcaster. So we're on ESPN in the United States, MOLA in Indonesia. Both of them already have UFC. But in the other 150 countries, a lot of people don't have UFC. So we're in the top three broadcaster, linear streaming in the other 150 countries. So back to supply and demand. If you are building a company, you go, I want supply and demand in my favor right. in all three constituencies. And Ngannou's That's already MMA. jumped ship, has he? he Ngannou. Ngannou's with us. And he's look, you. He had to sit out 18 months to get out of his contract. But he said, you know what? I want two things, control and more money. And I'm going to sit out 18 months with the number one provider to go to this company nobody's heard of, okay. Professional Fighters and League. what he wants, here. he gets. Is he going to beat Fury? Look, here's, I would never bet against a man who took two years to get across the desert and detention camps to stay alive. <laughs> sure. That's what I wouldn't bet against that against. man. Right, right. <laughs> so it's going to be a hell of a fight. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We're back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.